The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What happens when an artist takes criticism a little too far? And then we travel back to the 1980s to talk about Smurfs once again. Three apples high, little blue guys running through the forest trying to outwit an idiotic wizard and his crazy cat. A basic story, a tale as old as time. But to some religions, the Smurfs not only represented demonic forces taking over the entertainment industry, but were actually coming alive, entering our real world, and attacking their children. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. You know, our first story is a cautionary tale of being able to take criticism. There's constructive criticism, which I actually got the other day on 4chan. This guy was like, hey man, love the show, but now you're going off on these weird like side humor things and it's kind of forced and it's not as funny as it used to be the show's not as funny as it used to be i listen to i used to listen every day now i listen to every other episode that's constructive criticism and this is why this is what's wrong with the show and this is why it's affecting me personally it's not your show sucks it's not you're not funny none of that stuff's help this is the problem this is specifically the problem and this is the result. I'm not listening to the show as much. And I, I, we talked for a bit, and I totally understand. I said probably the show just gets annoying after a while, just like a relationship. If you talk to the same person every single day, eventually the things that you enjoyed about them do get grading. Take a break for a while, maybe come back. But they're they're kind of doing that, and they said they don't listen to every episode. I don't take that, and that's all, I don't expect people to listen to every episode either. I don't listen to every episode of my favorite podcast. I'm always impressed when you guys do, but you got to be able to take criticism. When you put stuff out into the world, you have to be able to take criticism. The reason why I'm telling this story is because we're going to learn about a guy who can't take criticism. Not only cannot take criticism, but criticism may have actually driven this man insane. Let's harp on the carpenter copter, guys. We're headed off to the United Kingdom. We're headed to Glenroths, the village of Glenroths. It is October 3rd, 2014. So very, very recent. Just, what, four years ago? Five years ago? Wait, what year is it? Six years ago. It's only six years ago. And there we're going to meet a young woman working at an Asda supermarket. That's some British thing. It's a supermarket, but everything is on the left side of the aisle. So there's a young girl working there. Her name is Paige... Roland, 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 Roland Wood, and she is has her red baseball cap on, her baggy pants. There is nothing hotter than a woman in a baseball cap with a ponytail pulled through the back of the cap. I don't care what else you look like. If that is the top of your forehead from your eyebrows up, I'm in. Anyways, Paige Roland, she's, she's rolling. No, just joking. Paige Roland, 18 years old. She's working at as the grocery store. She's on her knees, kind of moving stuff around on the bottom, right? And while she's, she's moving around, some hot dog-flavored water, soft drink down there. Coming down the aisle is Richard Britton. 
Which would be the best name living in Britain. As in, I would love to be named Jason America or Jason United States, but I'm not. I'm Jason Carpenter. Richard Britton in Britain is walking down this aisle. This young woman is kind of moving stuff around. She grabs the chocolate starfish and putting it next. And then, bonk! Now, now, there's more. I, I, I have to guess how loud to make that sound effect. That didn't sound super dramatic. But the point is, it made a much louder noise in the grocery store. He smashes this girl over the head with a full bottle of wine. She's like, oh, she goes unconscious for a moment, which which she's lucky she didn't die. And the newspaper articles don't really say if he runs away or if he stands there. I'm assuming he left the scene, but he does get arrested. Now, the question is, why? What is the motive? So they eventually track this guy down. He's on the run. I don't know. I, he could have just sat down and drank some wine outside the store. The point is, eventually he gets arrested. And when the cops start to interrogate him, they go, why'd you do it? And he goes, aha, I have the perfect motive. I will admit that I hit this woman. But once I tell you why, then you will, you'll, you'll go and hit her. <laughs> you'll go to the hospital. Here, I'll let you borrow this bottle of wine. I shoplifted one. Here, you can go and you can hit her over the head. Because you will also want to brain this young woman. You see, and that's when he reaches into his jacket and pulls out a book. And they're like, whoa, we should have we should have checked him. We should have frisked him before we brought him in here. That could have been anything. He goes, this is my book. I wrote this novel. It's the most beautiful novel ever written. And they're looking at it, and it's called The World Rose. Keeps pushing the book over, pushing the book over to him, hoping they'd pick it up, read it. They're like, just tell us, just tell us we're not going to read the book. He's like, well, you promise to read the book later? They go, fine. So he wrote this book called The World Rose. He put it on Wattpad, which is an app. People can read free stuff. And he then did some edits and published it. And Paige Rowland had read it on Wattpad and said, this sucks. This is no good. Now, I don't know how detailed her criticism was. I don't know if it was constructive criticism. Like, characters fall flat. The world building's lame. The title is uh, beyond pathetic. I guess that's not constructive criticism, but... She could have been very detailed and said, this is what I do to fix it. But for whatever reason, whatever her review was, he went nuts. Now, he lived 400 miles away from Paige. He drove all the way to her grocery store to hit her over the head. And what's funny, now that I think about it, he was able to plan to find her, drive out, but he didn't even bring a weapon with him. What if they didn't sell alcohol there? What if they had no bottles or she was in a weird aisle? But anyway, so poorly, poorly planned attack. He gets arrested. Britain has some real problems with their criminal justice system. He gets found guilty. He gets sentenced to 30 months in jail. That's not a huge... He was attempted murder, really. I mean, you could totally kill somebody with that. He gets sentenced to 30 months in jail. He only does 15 with an indefinite order to never contact Paige again. A month after he's released from jail, he sends her a letter saying, I dreamed of you last night. Are you going to send me back to prison? Now he's sending her mail. With stuff saying such as, nothing is real except our love, which we all remember that great Hall and Oates song. I will love you forever. That's fairly less creepy. And this page is torn because we are torn without each other. So she's obviously freaked out. She's contacting the authorities. I don't know if they know where he's at, honestly. Because I didn't see any follow-up of him getting arrested again. But 15, come on, Britain. I know America gets gets grief for being too strict. But this dude's 15 months 
They had that terrorist who they had to kill on the London Bridge a couple months ago. He got out. He did seven years for trying to blow up Parliament. What's your problem over there? Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, I teased this story on yesterday's episode because we talked about Smurfs. There was a street gang known as the Smurfs. Let's hop aboard the Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind Britain for good. We're never doing another story from there. Just too many lunatics. We're flying back to the good old United States, and we're going to any town USA, because this was kind of all over the place. Now, in the 1980s, we had a couple different things going on. We had an explosion of children's media. Really, in the late 70s, you started seeing, like, obviously, a Fred Flintstone, stuff like that. That was more of like a Simpsons thing. It was more for, like, adults and kids. Then you had the Hanna-Barbera cartoon, Scooby-Doo. That stuff is late 70s. But in the 1980s, companies decided, whoa, we have the ability to put out a half-hour commercial every single day. Kids will buy our clothes. There's actually a really cool YouTube channel called Toy Galaxy. I recommend people checking out. It's really cool. It's super informative. Their videos are only like 10, 15 minutes long. And each video, they go back to an old toy line or mostly toy line. And they talk about how the toys were designed and made. And a lot of them have these weird corporate battles going on in the background. They'll come out with a toy line and can't get a cartoon launched in time. The toy line fizzles. It's a really cool channel. Really, really talented people on that show. But you had this thing where you had these cartoons being made and they were half hour long advertisements. So you saw an explosion in children's media that has never been replicated. It really was a great time to be a kid. Wake up on Saturday morning or just come home from school. You'd have two hours of solid entertainment. You had that. But then you also had a thing known as the satanic panic. There were Satanists around every corner. And it was it was a perfect time to be a conspiracy theorist. Nowadays, we talk about Pizzagate and all that stuff. It's all very esoteric. It's all very like this elite cult that runs the world is doing this. Satanic panic was they're in your neighborhood. It wasn't something that was happening in Washington, D.C. In your neighborhood. Saint worshippers are killing cows in your neighborhood. The reason why you lost your cat is the same. It was very like boots on the ground conspiracy theory. Paranoia was everywhere. And it was really cool. I mean, I was too young. I was probably like, this story takes place in 1983 mostly. So I would have been seven when this story was taking place. But even I was kind of aware because I went to Southern Baptist Church. My dad was a minister. This idea that there were Satanists around every corner. They were in the highest levels of power, but you also had like, your mailman could be a Satanist. And as a conspiracy theorist, it was a really cool time. Super scary if you believed in it, but you have the satanic panic going on. And what happened was you have the satanic panic, which is this idea that Satan worshipers are taking over the United States and really the world. And this explosion in children's media. So just like, and again, guys, this all goes in. And this is why a lot of times I brush off stuff and people go, what, you don't think Katy Perry is a Satan worshiper? Back when I was a kid, it was saint worshippers are taking over the country or the world, and they're doing it, they're influencing children by children's cartoons. Nowadays, it's not saint worshippers, it's Illuminati, who may or may not worship Satan, it really depends. They could be part of some other religious group, or they could be atheists, whatever, but now it's the Illuminati using music to influence children and stuff like that. Because And the reason why is because cartoons don't exist the way they used to. People can still say, oh, there are still these cartoons with this messaging, But it used to be that cartoons, Saturday morning and afternoon cartoons, were such an intrinsic part of a child's life that if you wanted to affect them, that's how you would do it. The myth has evolved, is what I'm saying. I don't think the Illuminati were like, it, the cartoons are off. And also, we used to be saint worshippers, but I think the myth evolved. I don't think it was true. I don't think saint worshippers were affecting He-Man and Smurf cartoons. I don't think that was happening. I don't think the Illuminati's controlling Katy Perry. It's myths. Myths will change with the times. 
But anyways, anyways, that all being said, satanic panic. Well, back in the 80s, this was it. Now, a lot of my information is going to come from an article on the Paranormal World Wiki. So there's a Paranormal World Wikipedia. Not Wikipedia, but it's like a wiki. It's a self-edited thing. It's an article called A Brief History of Killer Smurfs. And I just want to note to you that because that is where I, I did go and backtrack information, but this gave me a good framework for it. So I wanted to give credit where credit was due. We talked about a bunch of stuff just now. A trip down memory road, Jason's paranoid <laughs> religious memory road. As a Southern Baptist, I was taught very, very briefly. My dad wasn't into a bunch of nonsense and stuff like that, but there were members of the church who believed that Smurfs were demonic and Peo, who was the anonymous, Peo was a pseudonym for the author of, or the creator of Smurfs. And the rumor was, was that Peo meant demon in Italian, which is not true. I, at least I didn't double check it, but I'm pretty sure it's not. So it might be. <laughs> but anyways, the point is, is that I heard that briefly. My dad, as a Southern Baptist minister, thought it was stupid, didn't have any problem with me watching it or He-Man or anything like that. He probably just figured it kept me quiet, kept me from bugging people or actually setting fires. And I, I got in a lot of trouble as a kid. But anyways, the point is, is that my dad didn't have a problem with it. And he is a minister, theological studies, doctor and all that stuff. He didn't have a problem with it. So, but it, lay people, lay people in the church may have. That being said, I'm just, the reason why I'm saying that is because people in my own religion had a problem with this. The rest of these examples are going to be about the Jehovah's Witness Church. So I'm not knocking them. This type of nonsense can happen in any religious community. But this, a lot of these examples came from members of the Jehovah's Witness Church, uh, Reddit threads from ex-church members and things like that. And one thing, Jehovah, one thing you can count on Jehovah's Witness to hate is anything supernatural. So... When you start to think that Smurfs are demons, you could have Southern Baptists being like, yeah, I think they're a bad influence. I don't think my kids should play with Smurfs. Jehovah's Witness pretty much, according to these ex-members, so again, there might be a bit of a bone to pick, but according to these ex-members, Jehovah's Witness basically went to war with the Smurfs. Now, they didn't go to war by saying, don't buy the, well, they said, don't buy the toys, don't watch the cartoons, stuff like that. But they weren't just saying that, don't do it because pale means demon. They were doing it because they believed, again, allegedly, and that's the last time I'm going to say this. You just insert that word. The church's doctrine was that the Smurfs themselves were demons that could enter our reality. And here's a couple of little stories that people have said they heard when they were kids. This young girl is given Smurf curtains for her room. Because Smurfs are cute little guys, you know? Three apples high, little blue people. Put them up. Have you Brainy Smurf and Gopher Smurf or whatever. Papa Smurf and all that stuff. And she goes to bed. Oh, I love my Smurf curtains. Falls asleep. Wakes up in the middle of the night. <gasps> she looks around in the dark room. <laughs> That's not her laughing. She's not the crib keeper. <laughs> She's looking around her room. She can't see anything. Her eyes haven't adjusted yet. <laughs> Little feet running around. She kind of gets, uh, you kind of get the picture. Smurfs, I don't have to keep building it. Smurfs jumped off of her curtain. You're like, I didn't expect that. I just expected a different group of Smurfs. They're actually the two-dimensional Smurfs jumped off the curtain, now running around her bedroom. They were dancing and laughing, quote, satanically. I have no idea what a satanic laugh would sound like, but, I mean, you figure that would be like, ho, ho, ho. That'd be less scary than, <laughs> little little feet run. Creepy. If you heard that story as a kid, you wouldn't want to be around Smurfs. 
Here's another one. Kid gets Smurf wallpaper. Apparently, Jehovah's Witness had a real problem with flat Smurfs. They're like, oh, regular Smurf dolls. We'll get to Smurf dolls in a second. But it's weird that two of these stories involve, I would not be threatened by a two-dimensional object. It's funny because the first one, these kids are all Jehovah's Witness, right? But they're like new to the church or they hadn't heard yet that Smurfs are demonic. They just thought it was a cute cartoon. The first one, the girl gets Smurf curtains. So you could see like her grandma who's like, here, this is a cute little cartoon. Send in the curtains, Smurfs jump off the curtain, start running around. This other kid has Smurf wallpaper, which means they spent eight hours. They had to go to the store, buy multiple rolls of it, take it home, get it prepped, put it on the walls, take a break, go eat a sandwich, go back up, finish putting the wallpaper up, be like, ah, done and done. My kid finally has this Smurf which I don't know what a Smurf is, and I haven't heard from my church yet whether or not this is demonic, but here you go. Click, shut off the light. This kid, supposedly, wakes up the next day. He comes down to eat the meal in the morning. He gets up, he's eating his Eggo waffles, and the parents are like, what happened to you? And he's covered in little red dots, little red bites. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, what are you going to do? Life sucks. And the parents are like, what? Do you have bed? It's funny because in the story, the parents asked him, are there bugs in your bed? Which is not something you would ask. You would just check. The parents go, did you get bit by a bunch of bugs? And he's like, oh, oh, these? Oh, yeah. No, 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 not bugs. So remember that wallpaper that you put up yesterday? Last night, all the Smurfs jumped off the wallpaper and bit me. It's funny. The first one, just some curtains and this girl just got laughed at this guy has an entire room full of them and he's getting eaten and you know that they then had to remove all that wallpaper before the end of the day which they did and according to the story they tried burning it and it wouldn't burn so they had to put on copious amounts of gasoline to burn it so imagine these stories being told around like a campfire at some jehovah witness or really i mean i think these apply to any these again are ex-Jehovah Witness stories, but I think you could see this with really any religion that's super fundamentalist. These stories being passed around. I I would say this one's pretty easy. That last part, at least, to debunk. Obviously, Smurfs did not jump off this guy's wall because Smurfs were one of the most popular merchandising thing, and people in the 80s were not covered in red welts. You did not see a Madonna video where she's dancing around and she's just covered in red welts. That was not something that... I don't know why Madonna would have Smurf wallpaper. My point is is that everyone had Smurfs, and not everyone had red dots on them. But that being said, let's say they put it up, the kid has nightmares, they pull the wallpaper down, they try to lay it on a fire, it doesn't burn. What If somebody told you that part of the story, what is the rational answer for it? It's probably fire retardant wallpaper, which would make sense, right? Like, sometimes you have to be skeptical about this stuff. This next story might be one of my favorite stories I've covered on Dead Rabbit Radio in a long time. This story apparently is a friend of a friend type of story. The guy telling this story saying, hey, I wasn't there when this happened, but my friend was. So this family recently joins the Jehovah's Witness Church. They're new converts. They're walking into the temple, and their kid is carrying a Smurf doll. Now, I don't know if he has it visible, because again, at this point, the church is at open war with these blue creatures. They've heard in Kentucky that a kid got a bunch of red welts. Red welts are all over the country. But the media is covering it up. They're burning, trying to burn people's wallpaper. Houses are catching on fire. They're at open war with the Smurfs. This kid, though, brings in a Smurf doll. So maybe he has it hidden in his jacket. 
nobody sees it or maybe everyone's facing the other way he brings it into the church and he's sitting there with his smurf doll and the service is going on as normal i've never been to a jehovah's witness temple so i don't really know how it's done but i'm just going to assume for the sake of narrative it's like southern baptist church where you go and you sing a couple songs minister gives a speech or sermon is actually what it's called you do the offering and then it's over with so they're doing that they're halfway through the sermon guys up there talking about jehovah's witness stuff and the smurf doll this kid's holding the smurf doll right he's just sitting listening to church probably bored i slept a lot in church he's listening and then in the middle of the sermon the smurf doll jumps out of the kid's lap and lands in the aisle so most churches have pews on both sides and there's a large aisle in the middle the smurf doll springs to life so that's a miracle right there that's beyond science jumps out of the kid's lap and lands and is now standing in the middle of the aisle. And he goes, quote, I'm sick of this shit, and turns around and walks out. Now, let's just call a spade a spade. That, if that story is true, if that story is true, I was attending Jehovah's Witness or any church. I'm attending, I'm Southern Baptist. I'm sitting there. I'm half awake. And my dad's giving a sermon, and I'm like, I can't wait till I get home and play some more Legend of Zelda. And then I hear a rustling behind me and I turn around and I see a one foot tall Smurf doll on the floor in the aisle. And I'm like, did a kid throw that? And then at that moment, the doll begins to stand up on its own. Look at my dad and go, I'm sick of this shit. I would renounce all religion. I would, if that happened, I, I my God can't do that. Do that, God. Him throwing Transformers on the ground. Do it. Do it. As the Smurf is strutting out of the building, that would completely change everything. Now, you could say, Jason, that's the work of the devil. I'm not saying I'd start worshiping the devil or a Smurf. I'm just saying that would be a pretty, that's ridiculous. That story is so, it's funny, but it's so ridiculous because it would completely change the game. If you not only saw a doll walk through church, but then blasphemy your religion and bounce, I would that would totally change everything. Everyone in that church should have been a convert to something. I'm not saying again they're like hail Satan. They're worshiping Smurfette, but it would really make you reconsider where you're at. And there's another part of this story. Where did the Smurf go? Because it's a one foot tall doll, right? And it says, I'm done, your sermon sucks. He turns, he walks out of the temple. And then what? And this is the problem with a lot of these stories. I mean, obviously this story is pretty ridiculous, but a lot of these stories, you have to ask, and? So let's say someone legitimately tells you this story. They said that they were here and they saw this thing happen. You would go, I think most people do this. They go, oh, that's interesting. And they do that with ghost stories and UFO stories and all sorts of stuff. But you really, you have to go and. So the doll leaves the temple. It obviously doesn't have a magical power. It doesn't disappear or a ball of flame appears. So it doesn't have the ability to teleport. It actually has to walk out of the temple. And then what? Is it standing on the street corner? Is it waiting for a bus? Does a small car show up? Does he jump in the bushes? Is he still out there? Did he have to get a job as a day laborer because he's trapped in our reality in this cotton-filled body? Where is he? If the parishioners had followed him out, would they have seen him walking down the street and trying to hail a taxi and realize that he doesn't have any money and then he has to go and like start like panhandling and stuff? Like, and these are the questions that need to be asked when you have these stories. And I get it. 
I love the story. I think it's absolutely fun. It would make me completely question the existence of my God if this thing could just magically do this. It would absolutely blow my mind if, if a doll could just get away with that in a church, totally unopposed. But then the other part is, logically, where does the doll... Does it go to a toy store? Even then, it would get to the toy store, it couldn't open it up. Does it go to, like, a bin at a Goodwill? There's so many questions to this. How did it even reach the doorknob of the church where the doors open? Could it put enough for... Like, no, okay, now I'm nitpicking, now I'm nitpicking, but... I'm sure ghosts can inhabit dolls. I own one, by the way. But I don't think it'll ever move. I don't think toys can ever move. I think the locomotion just simply wasn't work. There's no proof that that could ever happen. But let's go to this story. There was someone who was saying that, again, Jehovah's Witness on this thread, they go, I have a Smurf story. And as a kid, I had never, ever heard that Smurfs were satanic. Like, I just happened to have one, and my family didn't know about it. It wasn't until way later that I heard the story, but I had a Smurf doll, and it was a big Smurf doll, and he never liked it, never liked the doll. He had a weird feeling about it. And one day, he was in his room all by himself, and he watched the doll stand up and kind of begin walking around the room. And th- he said it was not a cute walk. It wasn't like a doot-doot-doot. It was like a cre- the way it almost stalked the room. It had a very creepy walk about it. And then the kid ran out of the room screaming and just thought it was a weird event maybe made up in his head. And then later on in life, he had learned that Jehovah's Witness didn't like Smurfs. They were satanic, stuff like that. Yeah, that story's just that stupid. Because again, if this was possible, then dolls would be the dolls would be walking everywhere. It, they would have declared open war on the Jehovah's Witness or anyone else who opposed them. They everyone everyone in part of these religions would have been locked up because they'd been like the Smurfs did it. The Smurfs did it. If a doll can walk, a doll can set a fire. If a doll can walk, a doll can smother a child. If a doll can do these things and they're demonically possessed, then you should say, you should have seen mass casualty events in the 1980s. Unless a doll drove a truck into the Marine barracks in Libya, they weren't doing these things. So a doll getting up and walking across the room spookily is not this is eternal war between good and evil and the stake is the rest of time and space and demons are making dolls walk out of churches it doesn't make sense they should have been like suicide bombers or something like that if these demons can do this then all they were doing was walking out of churches and walking around rooms with one person in it congrats forces of evil great job however i'm gonna end this on a personal story and this story might sound just as stupid as the rest but i don't think so I used to have a serious problem with Freddy Krueger. I actually used to not be able to watch horror movies at all. I was super, super scared of them. And I'd go to school. I remember going to elementary school and kids would be like, oh yeah, in the new Freddy Krueger movie, he's playing this kid like Nintendo and he's like, now you're playing with power. And he like cuts the kid's veins out and he uses them like a marionette puppet. And how I imagined it in my head was always 10 times worse than the movies were. I actually ended up watching the movies years later, but I remember being so terrified of Jason, Freddy and Michael Myers and all this stuff. Uh, to the point of almost like mental illness level a pair I don't want to say mental illness but I was stone cold petrified of these villains that I'd only heard of I'd never actually seen any of the movies I'd seen commercials though I knew what they looked like I would would just kind of freeze in my tracks and I lived a lot with my grandma and my great grandma and they're, they're great houses full of lovely people and people who love me but also they're pretty creepy and I've seen ghosts a lot at my grandma's house and I'm sure that my great grandma's house had some issues as well. There was one room that was super spooky that I didn't ever feel comfortable going into that was kind of sealed off from the rest of the house. But 
I remember one night I was sitting, I had one of those Brave Star. You guys remember Brave? You guys are like, no, I don't remember Brave Star. Brave Star, they actually had like these 12 inch tall action figures, and it was a cowboy in space. It was this Native American character in the 25th century. He was a cowboy on this planet called New Texas, I think it was. I know a bunch of you guys are like, oh, yeah, I remember that. They're really cool toys. There's like Space Cowboys. He had a talking horse, a topic, talking cyborg horse that could stand on all fours and punch people in the face with its metal hoof. I mean, that's the end of every episode. <laughs> Just smashing dudes' heads. But the bad guy was like this outlaw. It was this alien outlaw. It was this purple guy. And I had both of them. I had Brave Star and the purple guy. I don't think I had the horse, but I really loved that cartoon. And I remember one day I was sitting in this chair at my grandma's house that it's funny because I love that chair. Like I haven't been to my grandma's house in eight years, but I just love that. I miss that chair so much. I miss my grandma, obviously, too, not just the chair. But, you know, you just that place was my home, like that little corner of that house is my home. Anyway, so enough of memory lane. I'm holding this as I go on to tell a story from memory lane. I'm holding this toy. This Brave Star toy, this bad guy, is, he was the bad guy's name. His name wasn't just bad guy, I forgot his name. I'm not going to look it up. The The point is, is that I'm holding this purple doll. It was probably like 10 o'clock at night. I'm, I think I was like older. I think I was like 10 or 11 or something like that. 12, maybe. Old enough. I shouldn't be scared of the dark anymore, right? But I'm still scared of the dark. I'm holding this doll and it's late. I'm watching something on television, and I remember something made me look at the doll. I'm holding this doll, and I'm looking at it, and obviously I'm not on any drugs. I'm a child. I wasn't on any NyQuil, nothing like that. It's totally lucid. I'm looking at this doll, and its face is already kind of an alien face. It's already kind of, like, wrinkly, but for more than a brief second, for more than just a second, it wasn't a flash. And I know what I saw. The face of Freddy Krueger appeared on the doll. Now, the flesh changed because the alien's purple. So now it became like flesh. The scarring was there. The look in his eyes. It was Freddy Krueger's head on this doll's body. And I threw the doll and I screamed in a panic. A panic. I ran through my grandma's house. I jumped into my grandma's bed. Probably broke it. And they're like, damn it, Jason. The springs are They're like, oh, they all get thrown out. I was quite a chubby child. I guess that makes that joke makes more sense now. Jump into my grandma's bed. I didn't tell them what I saw. It sounded crazy. Crazy. But I know what I saw. Now, is it realistic to think that this fictional character, a fictional demon, and we actually did an episode, he's based on a true story, but it wasn't Freddy Krueger, it's a, a dream demon, that's an old episode, but check that one out. But the um, Is it possible that a fictional character jumped into my toy? No, it's not. It's not at all. It's completely ridiculous, right? But that's what I saw. That's what I saw. I saw something that was completely ridiculous and impossible. And I can talk trash about dolls walking and say, well, if my doll wasn't walking, it just changed into a fictional character. They're both ridiculous. But as much as I was going in the story and kind of taking it apart, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, but I had my own creepy experience with the toy. Now, again, there is a huge line between seeing a doll face morph into your childhood fear 
and the whole interrupting a sermon in front of 30 people and walking out and then catching a bus back to Smurf Village. There is a huge difference. But as far as like the, just the childlike wonderment of having a toy and having a world of evil interfere with that, because I don't think that Freddy Krueger's face was in that doll. But something was. Was it a ghost? Was it a demon? Was it something in my head? A hallucination? Who knows? I think I lean more towards ghost. It's most likely was a hallucination. But again, forget that because that's mundane and that puts all the blame on me. Ghost, but most likely a demon because what else would want to scare a child like that? So if demons wanted to inhabit toys, they wouldn't want to walk around in broad daylight unless, again, they were declaring open war, which obviously they either can or they can't, and they haven't, so that makes me think they can't. But it doesn't mean that they would be totally wrong to just inhabit a toy, just to inhabit a toy. Just to make children feel uncomfortable. Because a demon wants to hurt you. But if it can't physically hurt you, it wants to hurt your psyche. So it doesn't have to get up and walk around. It doesn't have to laugh creepily or bite you in the middle of the night or critique your sermons. It just has to sit in the darkness of your room and make you feel uncomfortable. In the one place you should feel comfortable, your own home. It can sit there and just draw off the negative energy you're giving it. And in return, making you feel more and more uncomfortable. To the point where you fear being in your room, where you fear everything. A demon doesn't have to jump up and walk around and bite you to be effective. A demon just has to make you scared of it. And it's even smarter if the demon can make you scared of something. You can't place your finger on it. You don't know for sure if it's that doll or your room. You just feel uneasy. Psychological warfare, but on a spiritual level. That's the true satanic panic. You never know where it's at. You never know where it's coming from. You're paranoid of everything, so you don't know where to direct your resources. And that's easy to pull off. You don't need to control the entertainment industry. You just need to wage this war one bedroom at a time. One frightened child at a time. Children are our future. And if you can make them scared of everything, when it's time to fight, they won't even be able to overcome their own fears. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. (laughs) 